0: Hello and welcome back to 50 Stars Plus Uh, on the US side. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Nicola from the Swiss side.
0: And today we have a very special guest, the Chief Executive of the Modern Libya Movement, a movement uh, in Libya that fights for security, peace, equality, equity and democracy in Libya by way of education and communications. Welcome,
2: Amr. Thank you for having me, Alex. Thank you, Nicola.
1: Welcome, Amr. It's nice to have you. Thanks for taking the time.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Uh, So before we ask uh, any questions, some quick uh, context for our listeners who may be less familiar with the region. Uh, The nation of Libya has experienced a humanitarian crisis At least since 2011, during the Arab Spring, a mass of revolutions across the Middle East. The Libyan civil war that erupted in 2011 ended shortly after the ousting and death of Muammar Gaddafi, but civil war resumed in 2014. Our first question for you, Amr, is... Why did a new civil war begin uh, as well as what are the different sides in the war and what are their goals?
2: Uh, thank you, Alex, for asking this question because that's the major, that's the major issue that's still ongoing since 2014 elections. Um, after we made our second Parliament House elections for uh, the Liberal House of Representatives back in 2014, uh, there was a political party that was disagree with that uh, elections results and they, they declared war they declared war in the capital tripoli and they took over tripoli i think around september yes there was september 2014 and since then the militias the armed militias took over nobody can deal with those militias as they did back in the day 2011 when the international community uh, took serious actions against Muammar Gaddafi and his regime.
1: Amr, can you give us some uh, background on you real quick? Um, you moved to the U.S. Uh, as a student, right? When did you leave Libya and um, are you still in touch with your family members every day? How are they doing and how critical is the situation right now?
2: The situation in Libya is kind of complex, but let me start from where I came to the United States. Uh, I'm a faculty member at my Libyan university called Al Jabal Garbi University. Uh, I used to teach business uh, back in the day when I was in Libya, and I earned a scholarship to get my PhD from uh, from the United States. So I arrived here on September 13, 2015. I arrived to the United States. I started studying my English courses. But unfortunately, I I never received any fund like many other Libyan students. They experienced the same difficulty because the chaos that happened a year before in 2014. So everything stopped for for many, many Libyan students in Europe, the United States. uh, They couldn't afford that. Also, the exchange rate, the Libyan currency uh, exchange rate for U.S. dollar, for example, went up from 1.3 for one U.S. dollar to 10 and 11. 14 Libyan dinners for one US dollar. Imagine that from 1.3 to 13 and 14. And nowadays it's five. They just put it like at five because as I told you, uh, triple is out of control. It's just one political party, which is the the party of Muslim Brotherhood. They call themselves that name. So these people they just took over our capital and there is no way to get even like uh, fuel for your car.
0: Yeah, uh, some context for our listeners uh, to all of this. Currently, the situation in Libya can be said to be divided between a couple of factions. Uh, Amr, you've just mentioned the um, government national accord uh, from 2015, which united rival administrations that came out of the 2014 elections. Uh, The GNA, as it is known, is based in Tripoli and led by Prime Minister Fayez al-Siraj, uh,
2: and controls part of the country's west. The executive government that the United Nations Support Mission made for Libya called the Government National Accord after discussions and talks in Morocco, in a city called Askera, that was, that was in 2015, and till the end of, uh, of 2015, they, they signed uh, what they call the Libyan Political Agreement. And since then, that government never got authority from the House of Representatives. Imagine that. like Imagine any country in this world has a government that is not approved by the Parliament House of Representatives or the Congress of the country and t- takes over. And that government ran, ran Libya for about uh, five, six years until the United Nations support mission again uh, decided to establish the Libyan political forum in Tunisia. The other faction, the one that supports the uh,
0: House of Representatives, which left the capital, uh, that's the Libya National Army, or LNA, uh, about 25,000 fighters, and led by uh, Khalifa Haftar, a former general who helped Muammar Gaddafi seize power originally in 1969. Uh, And so... In the last few years, since this second civil war has started, uh, the UN has said that at least 900,000 people need assistance. They've called the negative effect of the civil war incalculable. Uh, And a follow up question I have for you on that basis, Amr, is What is the goal of the modern Libya movement? How does it address some of these humanitarian issues we see, such as the bombing, such as the increase in or the devaluation of your currency, uh, and things like difficulties in getting fuel. How does the modern Libya movement seek to address
2: these? Uh, thank you for this question because um, I, I need to talk about uh, just uh, something about governments. Back in the day after the the House presents of the 2014 elections, Uh, the Libyan House of Representatives assigned a temporary government in the east, and that was recognized by the international community before uh, the Libyan uh, uh, political agreement that was signed in Morocco. Uh, So after that, uh, they assigned uh, Khalifa Haftar as a leader of the Libyan National Army because terrorism was taking over Benghazi and many, many other cities in the east and in the west as well. Other terrorist groups, they came from all over the world, Especially especially from Iraq and Syria through Turkey and they started fighting against Against the libyan national army or libyan national forces Uh, Of course the mother Libya movement role is to educate younger generations not to join those militias to educate Libyans about their rights their rights to vote their rights to say no to those politicians because everybody knows about the corruption that 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 uh, already Exist in Libya and uh, in many many developing countries, but Libya is a special case because a lot of resources, a lot of oil. The income that goes to the central, the income, the revenue that of uh, goes to Libya uh, by selling oil and natural gas and all those resources.
1: Um. So many people here in Switzerland know uh, the name Gaddafi. Obviously, the Arab Spring was uh, was a big historical moment people know about and uh, people um, hear about also in school nowadays. Um, And when you look back to to this Arab Spring that most people here in Switzerland know um, only one country, to my knowledge, managed to get some kind of democracy out of it. That's Tunisia. So my question is, because the other countries failed, are the people in these countries really um, do they really want democracy? Or do they not want this kind of democracy that we know in Switzerland and the United States? Can you educate our listeners?
2: Uh, thank you, Nicola. Uh, my opinion is, is kind of opinion question for me because my opinion on that it, it depends what people want. When people they they protested in Libya or Egypt, Tunisia, they were demanding their rights, and uh, that's the the democratic way to to protest, to speak up, to say, I need this in my country. I need my country to be better. Whether it's in Switzerland, Tunisia, I think humans are the same. The issue is the political background. The issue is the political parties, the power, the corruption. Those are the main factors there. Also, foreign interventions like what we see now in Libya, the Russian forces, Turkish forces and all those factors, they might affect the democracy in any country. Yes.
0: You mentioned before uh, that the, the first revolution, the first civil war, uh, in part had success because of international aid, uh, and something you and I have discussed previously, uh, Amr, in a different conversation was that uh, though the U.S. uh, supported Libya for some time, uh, its role has been limited for a few years. Uh, You have said that uh, after the events in Benghazi, uh, specifically I'm referring to the embassy attack, that after that, U.S. support kind of uh, became more minimal for... Libya. Can you talk a
2: little about that? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, the United Nations uh, re- resolutions, the United Nations Security Council and General Assembly, they already declared that Libya needs support, and they they send their their support mission. The United Nation, uh, the United States, European Union, and many many other countries. They were part of it, and uh, that never continued after 2013, after assassination of uh, uh, Christopher Stevens, the, the, US, the US ambassador to, to Libya and Benghazi. And th- they know they know who did that. They did that uh, some armed groups in Benghazi? We call them militias. We call them outlaws, and they they are well known internationally, not just in Libya. Their members, some of them, they got they got arrested, and. Those people that are not representing the the Libyan people, Libyan people, they are peaceful people. They just want their country to be stable. They want to share, and they they did. They did a lot of effort to to transform from dictatorship to democracy, but that lasts just for two or three years, 2012, 2013, and hopefully the United Nations, including United States, major players in in the international community European Union can do more to support Libya, not to fight, but just to educate people to To stop those corrupt people from running business in the country to attend even meetings with the With the US ambassadors or European ambassadors because those political parties are very, parties are very powerful and they are stick to power They don't want to leave position. That's that's the, the issue
0: with security being the main goal of the modern libya movement with security being the main goal in the modern libya movement what kind of resources would you say the modern libya movement needs at the moment to achieve those goals
2: Uh, currently we do we do communication and education the part of communications uh that the modern libya movement did to communicate with the international community as i mentioned to the, to the united nations support mission also uh, me myself i met the libyan ambassador to the united nations at his office uh, on uh, september 16th mr tahir Sinni, the libyan ambassador to the united nations i talked to him about how to support libya through the through the united nations general assembly and the security council because he's 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 representing libya i reminded him of that so during the national court uh, uh, era, he, he said, I am just representing the governmental court. I told him, No, Mr. Tahar. I told him, You are representing Libya here in the United Nations in New York. And you have to speak up. I, I requested from him to speak up about sending peacemakers. That's the, the appropriate way. Many countries they experienced conflict in Europe, for example, uh, Croatia, for example, Kosovo. For example, uh, let me say Somalia, Lebanon, Palestine, and Israel. So there are uh, peacekeepers there. Those peacekeepers they can they can at least limit the the influence of the militias. They can just redesign the national army again and make it peaceful. The education part we try just to educate Libyan people through our Facebook page. We don't have enough fund to to start like uh like an extensive educational program but we started from social media and uh, contacting those uh, officials in the army or the officials and uh in the government or the parliament house of representatives for example the the defense committee at the house of representatives we're trying to convince them please do some solution for your country because we're losing time we're out of time
1: you you talked about peace, uh, people, uh, armies from 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 different nations. The Swiss armies in Kosovo uh, for peace. Obviously, that's a different situation in Kosovo. The conflict is not a hot war. It's not uh, it's not an ongoing conflict at the moment. Um, but uh, the, the Swiss army, alongside the Swedish army and other armies, are stationed in Kosovo. And you would like, if I understand this correctly, to have also. Um, uh, other countries um, sending some um, peace troops to Libya to assist uh, your movement. Do you believe that this is a realistic goal? Because usually, countries, uh, Western countries, do not like to meddle into a do not like to to meddle
2: into a civil war, right? Uh, yes, Nicola. Uh, uh, my point was to support Libya's security, not to support my movement. Because my movement supports Libya's security at some point by education and communication. Those officials, those uh, uh, influential powers in the, in the international community, they already have a mandate from the United Nations to support security in Libya to protect civilians. That that resolution still exists and still valid. So. Why they delayed the process, I have no answer for this question. But we are trying. The Libyan people, they were marching in the streets recently uh, in July, and they're demanding uh, protection. They're demanding uh, to support them to go for elections and uh, to establish security in their country. Also, when we talk about corrupt politicians who are existing in power since 2011 till today and they want to be in the future as well, we suggested as the modern libyan movement and other colleagues from other movements local movements in libya to to establish um, a peacekeeping uh, mission to libya that will support security of course a lot
0: of countries you know are already involved with this um and we're talking about a few more getting a little bit more of uh involved uh my question is we already know that, aside from these countries we've named, there is also a lot of support for the House of Representatives and the Libya National Army from Russia, uh, which absolutely seems to be uh, an enemy of the West today, at least in the current moment. My question is, Amr, uh, do you fear Libya being becoming ground zero for? a proxy war between some of these
2: international powers. Yes, Alex, exactly. Libya now now a battlefield for foreign powers. So everybody trying to take over uh, because of resources that Libya uh, has, because of uh, location. And the Libyan people said it's clear me who us downtown Tripoli and benghazi and everywhere in libya recently they said we need to change those politicians because those politicians political the who brought those 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 foreign powers and the united nations still just watching that's the issue uh, we, we tried to schedule a meeting with the, le- with the leadership of the united Nations support mission and luckily they just assigned another special representative of the united nations uh, uh sub- Yes, the SGSJ, uh, the United Nations uh, general leadership in Libya, they assigned uh, someone from, I think, from Africa. Maybe this person will be qualified and understand the situation better. Uh, they call him special representatives of the Secretary General of the United Nations. And hopefully, we can conduct that meeting as uh, the Mother Libya movement team and July 1st movement, other movements in Libya. We already sent them an email as a request. And hopefully that will stop foreign interventions because there are resolutions, there are uh, clear statements from the United Nations Support Mission or from the International Community General Assembly saying Libya must be a safe country, must transform for uh, a democratic country. And that's what we hope. We don't need fighting uh, on behalf of other, of other foreign, foreign powers. We just need support to go forward to establish our democracy.
1: Uh, interesting. Finally, Elmer, uh, how can interested parties assist the modern Libya movement, or get involved? Uh,
2: the support that we we seek is, is maybe it can be just uh, the political support, uh, just going to the roots of the issue as we started this, uh, this talk from the beginning, the, the origin of the issue. When we focus on the origin of the issue, we can't find solutions. But if we focus on who's fighting who, that that might be very complex. Uh, the support that means diplomatic support, just watching what's going on, what Libyans need to support the Libyan um, credible demands. That's what what, what already happened in 2011. That was successful and last just unfortunately for two years. Hopefully, that the new solution, new 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 uh, new action for uh, Libya's stability will be again. Uh, implemented by the international community as a lasting solution And we can contribute with, with that, with the people again And again, the United Nations Support Mission has resources And they can, they can enforce it by, uh, by the Security Council the, the What they call it, sorry uh, The United Nations uh, Security Council resolution They can just uh, activate them again they already they already exist, but they need some some power to enforce those people to to stop uh, fighting those militias to to stop maybe sanctions for militia leaders for countries who are involved in a fight or sending mercenaries or foreign uh, fighters from other countries to to the to the Libyan uh, region. Yes.
0: uh with that, we are out of time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Amr, and for your wonderfully
2: thorough responses to our questions. Thank you so much. I appreciate, I appreciate your invitation. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Amr. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: All right. And that was Amr Ahmadi with the modern Libya movement. Uh, wow, a lot going on in the world right now. It feels like every episode uh, this season we've covered something pretty big.
1: Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, Alex, I Libya wasn't really on my mind for a long time. Um, obviously we know that uh, this is an ongoing situation for a very long time, but it was very interesting to hear firsthand um, what's going on there. And I was particularly interested because Libya played quite a huge role. Uh, ten years ago, uh, more than ten years ago, actually, in Switzerland, the, the leader, Gaddafi, was a lot in the news in Switzerland because he wanted to split up Switzerland, gave parts to Germany, to Italy, to France. He was really provocating Switzerland in a way that usually dictators don't. don't. So Swiss people uh, are well-known Gaddafi and they know about Libya but I feel like the last 10 years Libya was not really in our in our minds and not really in our news so it was interesting to hear what uh, Amr had to say
0: yeah it's interesting Uh, you know in 2016 Barack Obama actually called uh, Libya the biggest mistake of his presidency because he didn't foresee uh, or take precautions against the second civil war that they had that, you know, started in about 2014.
1: That's also something, uh, I was aware that there was a, that, that there broke a second uh, civil war out, but I wasn't aware that they have a ceasefire. They have it already since, uh, 2020 until I, uh, I researched for this episode. So, um, I'm also not really aware of, uh, how, you know, I asked Amr the question, uh, if the people actually want democracy there and, uh, Do you have any stats, Alex, Uh, any knowledge, what the people actually want in Libya, the majority, obviously?
0: Uh, I don't. It's really hard to get polling there. But, uh, you know, in a private discussion with Amir that I had, he told me um, that they're not really thinking about stuff like that right now. You know, the situation is so crazy that all people are really thinking about is security right now.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay that that's always the the first thing that people care about, right first security, and then you think about other stuff. Um, what's what's your opinion about peop- uh, other countries, Western democracies uh, like America um, getting more involved. Um, I know that America has a track record of getting involved in the Middle East um, and the people in America are not very in favor of doing something like this again uh, what's what's your point of view there?
0: Yeah, it's so it's so difficult. Uh, you'll remember um, when we pulled out of Afghanistan uh, last year, uh, I said that America should not be the world's police, uh, and I stand by that. I don't think we should be. Uh, but it is difficult because you know that is a huge humanitarian crisis. Libya has nine hundred thousand people that need help, uh, and I think something that strikes me as also a difference compared to what we were doing in Afghanistan is Russia is very, very heavily involved in Libya. They're trying to use it sort of as a jumping off point to expand Russian influence further into that region of the world. So uh, my immediate instinct, you know, on the U.S. side is I'd like us to not have to go into all these countries. You know, we we are already in a lot of different places. We're spread quite thin. Um, I don't like that we're bombing countries, frankly. On the other hand, uh, if we're not involved somewhere, uh, Russia absolutely is. So I guess the, the problem is we need to balance not getting too involved with also making sure we check uh, dictators like Russia. Uh, and I think, you know, Trump actually talked about this in his presidency. Uh, and he made a good point that there is also the issue of making other countries do their fair share anytime the U.S. gets involved, because it seems as if often uh, we kind of front the majority of international support. So if we were to get involved, I would also like to see other countries
1: uh, do more. And I think that's exactly the the issue. I mean, that was something that Donald Trump was absolutely right about from an American uh, standpoint, uh, at least that, that's my opinion, but that's exactly the issue. European countries, France, Germany, they're not really willing, um, not as willing as America or the leaders of America to 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 go into these countries and uh, to actually, um, you know, um, try to build democracy there. I don't believe that's, a, that's on their priority list, uh, or at least not as high as it is on the American priority list um also in america alex as you know the the public opinion it's it's so against any kind of measures or any kind of um you know plans to to go back or uh, to send people americans to this uh, to these areas um so it's just not realistic that this is going to happen again right
0: yeah i i really don't think we're gonna uh interfere that much again maybe we'll increase like the automated missiles that we're dropping in places maybe, but that's not very popular either. Um, I will say something that'll be interesting is in a few years, when the Arctic circle region has melted a bit, uh, and enables like more drilling of oil and, uh, there's going to be, you know, trade wars around that when that happens in a few years, I think countries like Libya will lose some political power, but also um, a lot of the more powerful countries will be looking at them again because they'll be be like, oh my God, there's all this new oil that people are fighting over and drilling. um, And to maintain dominance, we're going to have to look at other sources, the old sources of oil as well, make sure we have enough. And so i think we're we're not done seeing countries like libya dominate uh news headlines
1: yeah that's a, that's an interesting thought um honestly i'm i'm uh, i'm gonna follow i'm gonna follow up with armor and uh, and his uh and his um organization i'm curious what they're going to do in the next uh, couple of years if they're gonna get enough uh, traffic and uh, if they get enough funding to actually make a difference So um, I guess we can follow up with him in a couple of months or maybe a year and uh, find out if uh, there was any success to it. But it was indeed a very uh, interesting topic and good to talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, very important. Um, That being said, I do believe we're running out of time for this segment too. Uh, Let's move on to headlines. Headlines.
1: yes the headlines Uh, actually Alex I have one um, from coca-cola apparently they have uh, released new flavors in America they haven't come to Switzerland yet they didn't come to Switzerland yet but apparently in America you have new coca-cola flavors and um, CNN has this headline why coca-cola doesn't want to tell you what's in those weird flavors I clicked on the article And I saw that they are, like, uh, having one of the biggest success stories in marketing because they, like, released new Coca-Colas and are not telling anybody what the flavor is. So people are (laughs) guessing, is it grapefruit, is it vanilla? And it's, like, a huge thing on the internet, I guess. What, guessing new Coke flavors? Yeah, that's the new thing on the internet right now, according to CNN. Uh well
0: Nicola, in a few weeks, um I'll have you drink a can of Coca-Cola that has the flavor of defeat when I crush you in fantasy.
1: We'll see about that. But have you have you have you have you seen Star Coca-Cola Starlight, Coca-Cola Dreamworld? Is it a thing in America? Because it's not here in Switzerland for sure.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen any of it. I haven't seen it in stores.
1: I just see regular Coca-Cola everywhere. Okay, so your task uh, for the next episode in two weeks, Alex, you will find a Coca-Cola Starlight or Dream World or Bite and you will taste it and you will tell us what's in this Coke.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what the secret ingredient is. I'll tell you the flavors. All
1: right. What's your headline?
0: All right. Check this out. This one's really depressing. I have to admit Uh, this one is from CNBC and it posted 29 minutes ago while we were recording. Uh, more Americans tapping buy now, pay later services for groceries shows the height of personal desperation, Harvard researcher says.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Um, So basically buying something without having the funds to uh, pay for it. huh?
0: Yeah, just the next level of credit, basically. Uh, One step farther from
1: credit cards. And in america i have to to say also for our swiss uh, listeners in america it's already pretty bad right a lot of people are in debt. it's it's a very common thing i mean you have something called credit score which swiss people are not familiar with um people in america when they get a credit card they they get credit scores uh, for um, paying their apartment bills uh, their monthly uh, car lease etc until I get credit score and then they build it up and if they don't have enough credit score they are not able to maybe get to rent the apartment so just this as a quick uh, content uh, background information um, that probably is the desperation on of inflation right Alex
0: yeah and it's really wild um, it's it feels almost rigged because there really is no way to get a perfect credit score you know obviously you have to pay your bills on time and things like that but if you're too good at paying your bills, um, a lot of people say that your credit score will actually go down a little bit if you're too on point. And so you have to find like a, a kind of middle ground.
1: Wait, why why does it go down when you're too good, when you're paying always in time?
0: I honestly have no idea, but that's something a lot of people say. Uh, and I, I have to admit, I noticed it. You know, I pay my credit pretty, pretty well. And I have seen my score go down after like, Uh, period of consistency and having no debt at all
1: do you actually see the score do you like get a number and then you're like oh today i'm 500 and then two weeks later you're like 493 is it how it works uh
0: you do have a score like that yeah i don't know if it fluctuates quite that much but yeah like you know right now i'm apartment searching uh to move and they need to know my credit score so i have to be tracking that number to make sure it meets the appropriate uh, minimum to rent an apartment at all.
1: But isn't that crazy, Alex? Like, this sounds, for me, a, l- a little bit like China. Like, uh, controlling people, tracking every move, uh, like, getting points for whatever, like, they pay one day early, one day late. That's, is, is that an American, do you believe, that fits the American, uh, the American uh, view that Americans have of themselves and of their country?
0: Absolutely not. You want to know a crazy statistic, Nicola? Get this. Yes. The average American adult has nearly $60,000 in debt and 77% of American households have at least one type of debt, if not several. The total personal debt in the U.S. is 14.96 trillion U.S. dollars.
1: Wow. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a story. I mean, that's a real problem. That's a real problem. You guys have to fix. Joe Biden is trying to fix the student loan debt a little bit, right? He passed a uh, a bill lately. Is this a step in the right direction?
0: Yeah, the Inflation Reduction Act is a very good bill, uh, but it's unfortunate, you know. Uh, Americans as a whole don't understand economics or inflation very well, um, and so. Like, one of the ways you can fight inflation is for the the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates, Uh, but people hate when that happens. And so if that happens, oftentimes the president under whom interest rates get raised then loses in the next election uh, and puts us right back to square one as a new president pressures the Fed to cut interest rates down. So we see... Like, a lot of people are not willing to eat the pain of a short-term, you know, they're not not willing to eat the short-term pain of a long-term solution. Uh, That's especially true in Congress. You know, they're never willing to spend, like, X money on infrastructure to build out our long-term roads that will last for a few decades and things like that. Uh, So in America, I, I really don't know what the solution is, given we know how to fix things like inflation, but we're not willing to take those steps.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's something I really never understood the uh, the level or never really uh, grasped the, the the level of debt that each American household has, the credit score, and uh, like why? How are people just taking this as normal? And then they see all the people coming to their countries as tourists uh, for vacation, but they themselves can't really go on vacation overseas. Because uh, they have so much stats. I mean, you know, in a democracy, you could get the idea that maybe something is not really going their way and there might be some need for change. But I think we got to move on. This would be a topic for a whole episode, I guess. Yeah,
0: the, we could literally cover a whole episode just with this. Uh, but moving on, I have another uh, headline. Yep. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, this one, this one's interesting as well. Uh, government can't mandate coverage for drugs that prevent HIV infections. Texas federal judge rules.
1: They can't. Is what they, they cannot. Cannot. okay? Wow, and it's in Texas. Well, that's probably the answer why this is uh, happening because it's in Texas, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't know they. They really have some bizarre laws, in my opinion, and, uh, you know, I still think very lowly of their public servants after what happened in the winter last year, that unwillingness to update their energy infrastructure.
1: Yeah, that's uh, what what happened there exactly, maybe for our listeners, real quick,
0: to give context. Uh, Basically, their politicians said that updating their energy infrastructure costs too much money. Uh, So they refused to update the infrastructure. Uh, The result was last year, in an especially bad winter, thousands of people uh, went without heat because the grid went down in the middle of winter. And a lot of households uh, saw deaths in the winter as a result of that.
1: We actually had some news stories about this and uh, some uh, very shocking pictures. And it was especially shocking because this happened in Texas. I made the joke previously about texas um but uh, you know texas is a well known state in america and that something like this can actually happen is uh, it's just crazy to think of in my opinion I-, I have a last one alex and it's a bit of a lighter one to end this um you have to know for context alex our dear friend uh, flavio has just been in the has just been in this italian city and uh, that's why <laughs> it's so funny we had it, uh, flavio on last season and he's a uh, Guy who listens regularly to the podcast, so I just had to bring this. Wow, CNN- hello, Flavio. <laughs> CNN article. Um, U.S. tourists fined $450 for eating on Rome Fountain. Yeah, that sounds like Flavio. Totally. <laughs> they don't have a picture, so we don't know if it's actually Flavio or not, but let's just believe it was Flavio. But uh, let's leave it uh, at this. Um, otherwise we're gonna have uh, a serious phone call with Flavio and um, I uh, although I like to c- call with Flavio uh, I would like to not make him too much angry. Um, yeah thanks for listening to the episode and um, we will be back in two weeks right Alex That we will. We'll be back
0: with our next episode in just two weeks In the meantime you can follow us on Spotify on Instagram uh, at 50 stars plus, that's five zero S T A R S P L U S, fifty stars plus.
1: Thank you. Bye bye.